What have we been looking at for the last little while? Does anyone want to wrestle their brains with what we've been looking at for the last three or four weeks? The Bible sounds scripture. It sounds bizarre, but yes, we have been looking at scripture. We've been looking at how Jesus understood scripture and how Jesus interacted with scripture and how Jesus valued scripture. And I get to speak the last in this little passage. This year, we're, we're focusing on practicing the ways of Jesus. If we want to be followers of Jesus, if we want to be a revolution of love, there is no other way to do that outside of practicing the ways of Jesus. And so we really wanted to kick that off with the foundation and the fundamental significance of Scripture. And last week, I wasn't actually here, but with the brilliance of technology, I was actually able to listen to last week's message on the bread of life, on being hungry for God's Word. The week before, Tanya shared some brilliant little keys to help us understand Scripture better, to help us not be intimidated by reading Scripture. The week before that, we looked at the idea of how Jesus interacted with the Pharisees who knew Scripture well, but had a wrong heart perspective of digesting Scripture. Some brilliant stuff. But there's a fundamental part of this that I think we struggle with. And I'm going to be brutally honest today. There's a fundamental part of, of, of this idea of Scripture that I think we struggle with. Last week, Nathan shared about how Jesus often said, those who have ears, hear, listen. Yeah? But Jesus also said to his followers, if you love me, if you want to be my disciples, you have to obey. We live in a culture where, unfortunately, we, we have you know, nice little pithy memes of Bible passages that you get to thumbs up on social media. And it makes you feel good about the Scripture and it resonates and we feel like the resonating is a good thing. But that was not the aim of what the Scripture was written for. Jesus says in John 14, 15, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. He says in Luke 6, 46, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? There's a definite link between hearing and obeying. It's fundamental. And we don't mind hearing a little bit. We're okay with hearing. But to be brutally honest, we're actually not very good at obeying. We struggle with that step. We, we can't even blame the Holy Spirit either. We often like to blame other things for our weaknesses. And yet the Holy Spirit was there to remind us and to encourage us and to equip us. But the choice is still ours. The Holy Spirit doesn't make the choice for us. We have a choice when it comes to obedience. I would actually go as far to say that most of us in this room are not brilliant at following instructions. For example, I've got two examples. Who believes prayer is significant? Yes, excellent. Who believes Scripture talks a lot about prayer? Excellent. Who gathered and prayed with other believers this week? Couple. Yesterday was a national day of prayer and fasting. It was talked about last Sunday. Tuesday night, 
opportunity to gather as people to pray. We talk about how awesome prayer is and how valuable prayer is and how significant it is to be in unity and pray together because Scripture tells us that. And yet this week I don't think we did that well. I've got to say I actually looked through the check-in list um, at the last session of the National Day of Prayer and Fasting yesterday. I didn't see a single catalyst name on there. Now, you could have done it digitally. You might have snuck in and done that digitally. That's true. But I thought to myself, we pay a lot of lip service to stuff, but our obedience, our following instructions, doesn't actually follow through. I'm going to give you another example. A number of weeks ago, and I'm giving you real tangible examples, uh, not to condemn you, but to point out that this is real and this is us. This is not just some nice idea out there. This is actually us. We've got to deal with this. We've got to own this. We set apart leaders a number of weeks ago, and there was an opportunity, and I think it might have even been on, on Facebook the day before, saying, come with the idea of encouraging leaders. But there were all these bags up the front, and they had the names of the leaders and an opportunity to encourage leaders. Now, does anyone know any scripture about encouragement? Like we're talking about scripture, the significance and the power of scripture in our lives. Hebrews 3.13, but encourage one another daily as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Hebrews 10.12, let us consider how we may spur one another on to love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. 1 Thessalonians 5.12, we ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you who are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. We say scripture is important and we say these things are valuable, but, but I can tell you what happened. About half the people in the room decided to write an encouragement. It was a no-brainer. We stopped what we were doing. We handed out cards to anyone that wanted a card. You had a pen in your hand. You got able to write an encouragement. It was sitting there in front of you, minimal effort for return. And yet, not everyone took the opportunity. But the other thing is, when people were given the opportunity to encourage, some, not all, decided it might be an opportunity to instruct or to give advice. Now, they don't have names on them, so I don't know who they were. But it saddened me, it grieved me to think the Word of God talks so much about encouragement and there were some people who took that opportunity. But as a body, we missed an amazing opportunity. I'm going to read out one of the Bible passages that was written on one of these cards. Because this is real. This is real life. 1 Timothy 6.4 He is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words, which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicion. Are you as confused as I am? Does that sound like encouragement to you? This was the one that went into all the leaders' box. 
We are not good at following instructions. This is a book of amazing instruction. And I use that as an example. I obviously chose that deliberately to show an extreme position. But my point is, guys, if we are Jesus followers, then we listen and obey. That's what makes a Jesus follower. And we struggle to obey. In fact, we resist and then we justify. We resist and we justify. We come up with an excuse of why it was like that. I want to share a story, a, a different perspective. That's the negative side of it, right? That's the reality of what we're dealing with. But there's a story in Scripture of the way the Word came to life. This is how it's meant to be. And it's in Acts, Acts chapter 8. And we're going to start at verse 26. This is really cool. This is the living and active word of God, right? Let's, let's read this. Let's receive what God wants to share. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise, go towards the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. So God's talking to Philip. Philip was an amazing evangelist. In the, in the previous part of the chapter, it, it shared about some of the amazing things that Philip had done in the power of God. And he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. Okay, really all bunch of weird words. Ethiopian's not weird, but weird to them. There weren't many Ethiopians hanging around the road from Jerusalem to Gaza. Not a lot of Ethiopians hanging around there. He was a eunuch. He was a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. So he's an important dude. He was a significant guy. And Philip's been told by the Holy Spirit to meet him on the road. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot. He was reading the prophet Isaiah. This is even more weird. This is, this is kind of like you bumping into a one-eyed scientist from Antarctica. Like... This is not a normal circumstance because not only is he from Ethiopia, he's coming to a Jewish festival to worship in Jerusalem. Highly unusual. He's on his chariot, no surprise. He was a, he was a court official, so he's, he's obviously he's not walking. And he's reading the prophet Isaiah. So he's reading, smart dude. He's got an education and he's got hold of a scroll. Pretty impressive sort of person. We don't know what the story is, but there's a suspicion that maybe he had converted to Judaism. Maybe he was a seeker, someone that was interested in learning more. It doesn't actually say, but putting the pieces together, there's some, some guesses about what that might be. He was clearly interested in what, what was going on in the book of Isaiah. And the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join his chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you are reading? Fair question. And he said, How can I, unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. 
Now, the passage of Scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. So Philip being led by the Spirit, goes and meets this guy. Being led by the Spirit, goes and talks to this guy. The guy is reading Scripture, Isaiah. And beginning with the Scripture, he shares the good news of Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. Cool passage. The Spirit of the Lord's moving. This guy is reading Scripture and not understanding it. Philip comes explains the script and introduces him to Jesus. So far, we're all at the hearing part, the power of Scripture, brilliant stuff. However, it didn't finish there because it's so significant that this guy said, there's some water, let's do something about it. Let's not stop at this nice idea. Philip hadn't finished his mission when he shared and explained it with him because there was a response, there was an opportunity to be obedient for this guy. And, and it's amazing, mind-blowing, that, that the Spirit whisks him away and he appears somewhere else, right? After the guy gets baptised. After the guy gets baptised, not after he's explained it to him. It's after he gets baptised because... Hearing and obeying go together. The work was not finished. The living, active word of God was not complete until the obedience part came. So significant and so awesome that that's how it works. And the amazing thing is that we are in such a better place than that eunuch because everything that Philip shared with him Sure, Philip was pretty up to speed with what was going on about Jesus. But we have the New Testament documented. Everything that he shared, everything that the disciples taught that was of significance, God graciously has prepared for us. So not only do we have the confusion of Isaiah, which gets confusing sometimes, let's admit it, we also have... The gospel, which means, gospel means good news. We've got the good news that Philip shared with him as well. We're not just like the eunuch who's lost in some words that we don't understand. We also have the blessing, the gifts, the, the amazing privilege of having the New Testament as well as the Old Testament. 
John 8.31 says, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, significant, the Jews who had believed him. They'd heard and they believed. A bit like us. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. If you abide in my word. If you abide in my word. Not if you hear it. They'd already believed. They'd already heard and believed. But if you abide in my word. Now, for those of you whose life is perfect, you don't have to listen to anything I have to say today. You've got a get out of jail free card. You can just keep doing what you're doing. But for the rest of us, it's really significant that we understand that if my life is not whole, then my life is not perfectly in alignment with what God has in store. And if I'm not in alignment with what God has in store, I need to pray and read his word. It's a pretty simple equation. I'm not giving instruction today that is complicated. I'm not giving instruction that is hard to understand. But I am making very, very clear that if, if we have some work to do in our lives, Sam mentioned a brilliant little list of things before. He referred to peace, he referred to anxiety, he referred to some, some areas that God wanted to be part of people's lives and wanted to make sure that wasn't there. I'm not going to remember them, that's okay. There was a cool little suite of words that he used about things in our lives that aren't complete. There's brokenness, there's, there's relationships that are struggling, there's things that aren't how they're meant to be. And I don't think they're by God's design. Now, some of them we don't have any control over, but we do have control over ourselves. And when we come to that point, if you are struggling, if you are finding things hard, if you're finding places where you do not have answers and you do not go to Scripture, you are crazy. That's exactly what Sam did. He read Scripture to us, the Word of God. He believed God wanted to speak to us through Scripture. It's not the only way God talks, but it's a no-brainer. It's an obvious way that God talks. If you are struggling with any area of your life and you are not prepared to go to Scripture, you're going to chase your tail. There's a saying that says insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. It's time, church, for us to do something different. It's time for us to actually Listen and obey. I know there's areas of your life that aren't together. And I would implore you, I would plead with you to start reading your word. Now, I'm not saying that nobody reads their word ever, but I am saying we are terrible at following instructions. We are terrible at being obedient. And that means that if we're like our instructions with encouragement or instruction with prayer, I'm guessing our instruction to read the Word hasn't happened like it should have. This is week four of sharing about the significance of Scripture. Have the last three weeks made a difference in your life? 
I have heard one story of someone who said to Tanya, oh, so appreciative of what you shared about the keys. I was reading the scripture the next day and what you shared was really relevant and, and changed the way I read the passage. I'm like, yes, thank you, God. There's one who heard and, and listened and absorbed it and read the scripture and it made a difference to their life. I want there to be a room of people that are like that. And it means that we have to listen and obey. We can't just listen. We've got to be obedient. Matthew 5, 6. I think Nathan might have even read this last week. Jesus says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Right? Righteousness is God's right way. God's right way. That's what righteousness is. For they shall be satisfied. Anyone in life who tells you that there is satisfaction outside of God, they are lying to you. There is only satisfaction found in God. And when we play the game of hedging our bets in different places, looking for satisfaction in different places, you will be disappointed. There is only one way craving God for righteousness, craving God for satisfaction is the only way is the only way that you will find satisfaction. There is no satisfaction that's lasting elsewhere. Everything else is like a drug that gives you a high and a low worse than the high. Everything else outside of God. We want to be people that don't just talk nice things, that share nice memes and smile at each other. We want to be people who spur one another on. And that means we need to be people of the word. We can't just pay lip service to it. I really want to encourage you this week to put some action to our talk. Because if I asked you, do you think scripture is God's word for us? I'm guessing you'd all say yes. If I asked you if you thought that this word brought life, if it brought revelation, if it brought freedom, I'm guessing you'd all say yes. But if I asked you how much you read of it last week, I'm guessing you'd say not much. Which means our words and our actions are not the same and we're hypocrites. This is the living, active word of God. Let's treat it as that. Let's hunger and thirst after righteousness. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for your word. Lord, it is living and active. It is everything that you said it was. And Lord, I confess that I am not good at reading this and treating it with the, the respect and the fullness that the almighty creator of the universe, you have invested in it for me for us. Lord, I'm sorry that we have dishonoured your truth. Lord, I'm sorry that we've treated your word, your instruction, your guidance as a nice idea that sits on the shelf.
Father, we want to repent today. We want to turn from our own way. And we want to turn towards your way. And Jesus, you made it very clear that if we are to be your followers, we would need to hear and obey. And so, Lord, I make a commitment for myself, Lord God, and on behalf of us gathered today, Lord God, we want to make a commitment as a church that we want to be people of your word, of your truth, that there is nothing that is more significant to us than you, your presence, your revelation, your truth. You have the keys to life, Jesus. We acknowledge that. And we want to head as a body in that direction and only that direction. We thank you for your grace and mercy, Lord God, that you haven't rejected us even though we've been half-hearted, that we've been hypocritical, Lord God. And yet, Lord God, we don't want to stay in that place and make it a cheap grace, Lord God. We come to you and we say, Lord, help us hear and obey. Keep telling us the truth, Lord God. Holy Spirit, keep revealing to us. Keep convicting us. Keep challenging us. We want to be people of your word who hear and obey. We surrender again to you. In Jesus' name, amen.